Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. It's a, a big day, Saturday, of course, uh, here in Ontario. The Ontario Progressive Conservative Party will choose a new leader to replace Patrick Brown. And we all know why that's gone on. We don't need to go over that ground once again. But if uh, polling is any indication, uh, there's a pretty good chance that the uh, next leader of the Ontario PCs could well be the next premier on June the 8th of this year, the day after the uh, next provincial election. And uh, the uh, front runner in many people's minds and in many of the polls that we see right now is Christine Elliott, uh, former MPP, of course, and former cabinet minister in the uh, Ontario government. And uh, Christine Elliott joins us on the Bill Keller Show to talk about some of those issues. Christine, great to have you on the program again. Thanks so much for the time today. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Bill. Let's talk a little bit about about what's gone on and, and about issues. And uh, I know that there's been a great deal of discussion uh, during this rather abbreviated uh, contest, Christine, about personality. Uh, are you comfortable that, uh, that there's been enough uh, issue and enough weight given to some of the issues and some of the, the policies that need to be discussed? I think so. Of course, you could always use a little bit more time. But on the other hand, the last leadership campaign was 10 months long, and I don't think we need... Uh, that much time to discuss it, but I've, I've traveled a- across the province and spoken to uh, to members and, and to people who aren't members about what their issues and concerns are, and I, I feel pretty comfortable with that at this point. You're, uh, you've been in the game long enough to understand that there's no such thing as unanimity in any political party when it comes to policy. There are always going to be people that have differing points of views. Uh, and that's certainly been the case, obviously, not just with the the candidates that are running for the leadership, but even with uh, some of the rank-and-file members who are voting as we speak uh, about who the next leader is going to be. But there are a couple of contentious issues right now that uh, an awful lot of people are, are still questioning exactly where the, the conservative the conservative party is going to be and, and the new leader is going to be. And I want to talk to you about those. And first of all, it's, it's the idea of the carbon tax. That, uh, that I know that the former leader, Patrick Brown, had advocated for. There's a, a federal move right now to institute a national carbon tax. Uh, all of you have gone on record right now saying you're opposed to that, which raises the question, uh, where's the money going to come from to fund some of the other things that you've talked about? Well, I am opposed to the carbon tax. I've heard from members and people across the province that they cannot afford another tax. They're dealing right now with hydro bills that are just going through the roof. And many people on a monthly basis are having trouble paying their hydro bill and other bills and buying food for the family. So there are ways that we can be environmentally responsible without resorting to a tax. But in terms of the money and where it would come from that um, that supports our platform, the carbon tax would uh, be responsible for about $4 billion mm-hmm. over four, four years. So about a billion dollars a year. And we would approach that in several ways. One would be a value-for-money audit of all of the programs and services that the Wynn Liberals have brought forward in their budget. We need to make sure that each program provides value. If it does not provide value, taxpayers would expect that that program would be discontinued and those funds used for the uh, programs and services that we have in our platform that we developed with the people of the province, things like more long-term care bed long-term care beds, more mental health and addictions counseling, and so on. So we would do that. But we also, if you just take a look at the money that the Liberals have wasted over the years, a billion dollars on canceled gas plants uh, for nothing other than political reasons, $8 billion in e-health, and we still don't have a functioning and connecting system of electronic medical records, the list goes on and on and on. I am sure we would be able to find that money. 
and, and every previous government and every previous person that's ever run for leadership in any of the parties has said the same thing, yet it, we always seem to, to fall short on that. Uh, so, I mean, we have to always take that with a grain of salt, and the proof is obviously going to be in the pudding in, in situations like that. But I guess the other side of this, though, Christine, is you know what the, the, the federal government's been talking about right now, but trying to impose a, a national carbon tax. Uh, and, and the way that was obviously going to be done was that the money would flow through to Ottawa, but then be given back in the form of rebates, not unlike what BC has done right now. So is there a possibility or even a probability that no matter what you say, even if you're the next premier, that, that Ontario is going to be part of that program, whether they like it or not? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would want to stand with uh, people like Jason Kenney in Alberta, uh, Scott Moe in Saskatchewan, and Andrew Shear, who are opposing this carbon tax idea on the basis of its uh, constitutional uh, lack of validity. And I would want to stand up for Ontario and tell Justin Trudeau he doesn't get to tell us what we're going to do and the decisions that we're going to make in Ontario. But we that, need to stand up for the people who live here. People cannot afford a carbon tax. But it seems to be working in British Columbia. Well, it may be working there, but I can... But what makes it work? I mean, I know you've done your homework on this. What makes it work in B.C. is the money goes right back to taxpayers in, in the form of rebates. And, and that concern, well, I think a concern a lot of us have, is that the tax that's being proposed in Ontario, as it stands right now, uh, the money goes to government, and, and that's where it stops. And, and I think that's the concern right now, is it's coming out of our pockets and we never see it again. Well, and, and I, I think one of the differences, perhaps, between Ontario and other provinces is we are struggling with escalating hydro prices. Hydro has tripled since the Liberals took power in 2003. So people are just trying to deal with those issues and and pay their bills. They cannot afford to pay more for almost every article that they consume or buy. We're over. We're making more hydro than we need at this stage, and that's one of the frustrations. I mean, we've been following this file. I think all of us have probably learned more about hydro and hydro production and hydro costs than we ever wanted to know, uh, but simply it's because it's become such a burden to us. Uh, and I thought one of the pivotal moments in the last debate up in Ottawa last week was uh, when when, uh, when one of your uh, competitors suggested that if she becomes premier, she's going to rip those uh, wind turbines out of the uh, the ground. Uh, and I thought you very aptly reminded her that uh, you're falling into the idea of contracts and, and liabilities and uh, something that could cost billions of dollars. Uh, and it goes, Christine, I guess, to the, the concern I get as as uh, an observer in this race is uh, an awful lot of time, and I guess it happens in all leadership races, uh, the candidates tend to say what people want to hear, not people what people need to hear. How do you find that balance? Well, I think you have to be truthful with people, and it would be nice to think that it's as simple as just going and plucking wind turbines out of the ground and coming up with simple slogans that we're going to put a neon sign on the side of the road to say Ontario is open for business. Uh, that's where the experience comes in, and that's why I know uh, that you can't do that. It's not that simple. There's hard work that needs to be done on a bunch of levels, and you can't ignore the validity of contracts in Ontario, or nobody will ever want to come here to do business. So, we have to be realistic, and we have to be honest with people, and that's what I'm trying to do as part of my campaign. Because I mean, that's the concern I've got. I mean, it's a double-edged sword to say you're going to do something like that, and we saw this already with the gas plant situation. For the government to come back and say, okay, we're going to cancel that, if, if we'd known at the time how much it was going to cost, I, I'm sure we would have had second thoughts about that. But it does send a message, and next time you go across and you say, I want somebody to come here and invest in Ontario, they're going to say, well, your contract's not worth it. The signature's not worth it. The ink it's printed on, because you guys are just going to renege on it. I mean, you've got to be very careful about how governments do business. Absolutely. 
and you have to um, show that Ontario is a, a, a friendly jurisdiction for business in on a number of fronts, but certainly to make sure that we honour contracts when people come here and there were not some, you know, third world republic. We want to make sure that we show businesses that we um, have rules and regulations and we follow them for the operation of businesses. Let's let's stay on the business track for just a second. I, I just mentioned that later on we're going to be talking about the possibility of tariffs. Uh, and I know that the finance minister has announced that later on this month he's going to present his budget. I, guess, I assume will be the final one before the, the election, of course. But there's a concern. There come some dark clouds on the, on the horizon right now, one of them being the NAFTA negotiations, which are not going well. And, of course, then there's the possibility of steel tariffs. And I don't need to tell you the importance that has here in the Hamilton area to, uh, vis-a-vis the economy. How would you as Premier do what needs to be done, and what would you do to try to protect Ontario's interests against some of these, these challenges? Well, I know it absolutely is a concern, the, the possibility of a tariffs being placed on steel for Hamilton, a uh, big concern. I was also in Sault Ste. Marie the other day and spoke to people from Algoma. Mm-hmm. We, I hope that we will be exempt um, with the announcement that's going to be coming this afternoon. That would make a lot of people be able to breathe a little bit more easily. Um, but uh, I think the work that's being done right now by a number of people reaching um, across to their counterparts to the South, particularly in the Republican Party, speaking to them about the negative impacts on their economy should this uh, tariff go forward, because we, we buy a number of the raw materials from the United States, uh, there, there would be an impact there too. And so I think it's really important uh, before they proceed with this that they understand that this is a double-edged sword for them. They may think that they're protecting U.S. steel manufacturers, but there's other businesses that are going to be hurt. So I, that would be the work that I would want to continue. I hope it's going to be resolved to uh, some satisfaction this afternoon on the tariff issue, but the NAFTA issue remains, and we need to make sure that we, we stand up for Ontario and stand up for Canada and uh, present ourselves very strongly in making the arguments about why we need to um, continue with the, with the agreement. Worst case scenario, if these were imposed, uh, are you willing to, to, to go to war, as some economists are saying, and impose tariffs and support tariffs on this side as a countermeasure? What I would want to do is, uh, first of all, continue to express the, the, what's happening on the other side. And I'm sure that there will be representatives on the U.S. side that will make that argument before I would want to take the step right away of imposing counter, counter tariffs. I think that would be um, not the right answer in in a quick succession. I think that the work needs to be done south of the border. We need to continue to press those arguments first. Other tariffs might be necessary in the longer term, but right away I would not propose doing that. One of the other contentious issues that uh, is getting a lot of speed, and during the, the, the debates especially, uh, is the sex ed curriculum. Now, I know that as you go around the province and, and looking for support for the leadership, that, that you're talking to conservatives and you're talking to, to folks in, in the grassroots, and I get that. Uh, and I know there's a certain element within the Progressive Conservative Party, Christine, that always have had concerns with sex ed in schools and especially with this curriculum. But are you really, as somebody who's been in politics and, and been a public representative for an, a number of years, do you really think there's a hue and cry in the province right now to look in the rearview mirror and start d- disassembling a, a, that curriculum? Is it that problematic? It is an issue that is very important to to some people. It ha- was in the last leadership campaign, and it and it remains. We have many other issues, of course, 
that we need to be dealing with. But I think that this issue could be resolved if we opened up the curriculum, spoke to parents groups across the province, understood exactly what it is that they want to have changed, and make the uh, the necessary changes. That, that's an Mostly, interesting point because of those those who oppose this, I, I hear very little detail about what exactly it is that that bothers them. Aside from the, just the idea that it's being taught. Well, and it, that's why I think we need to to dig deeper into it and understand specifically what they want to have changed. I'm more than happy. Um, should I be in that position to to make the changes? What I've heard from a lot of parents so far is about the age appropriateness of some of the things in the curriculum, whether their children should be learning it in grades two or three or whether it's something they should learn when they're older. I think that's a fair comment by the parents because they know their children best. There will still be some parents that don't want to have any sex ed curriculum uh, and don't want their children to be taught that at school. I respect that right, that they should be able to um, sign their children out of those classes. That's always been the case in Ontario. So I think uh, that we need to address the reasonable concerns about specific issues and then and then move forward because we've got a lot of other issues in education that we need to talk about. Uh, getting math scores up, only about 50% of our students in grade 6 are achieving provincial levels. That's a big concern for the future. So we need to work on those issues as as well. But I, I get the yeah, sense in the conversation that we've had uh, for a number of years since the, the curriculum's gone into place uh, that a number of the people that are being critical of this right now probably are, are basing this on misinformation and, and, and speculation and, and things that they've heard. They've not actually read the curriculum. So is it fair to suggest, Christine, that you, you would categorize this as a concern and not a priority at this stage? Um, it's a priority because of the number of people who've talked to me about it. It, it is very widespread across the province, but the priority in getting math scores up is, is a priority too. So, it's so a, you're putting uh, this so under the broader umbrella of just education improvements? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I got just a couple of minutes left here. One of the other elements, and I want to talk about process, and, and I hate, you know, politicians hate talking about process. I get that. But there have been some concerns raised by uh, all of the camps in this leadership race about process, about how delegates are, are, are being allowed to vote, about the process of voting. Uh, some suggesting it's too difficult. They're giving up on situations like this. There have been some requests by a couple of your opponents right now for an extension. I guess that's not going to happen. But uh, are you are you comfortable with the way things have gone? Because, I mean, invariably when things like this are, are, are sprouted before the campaign and before the vote, uh, it, it, it's relaying the groundwork for, well, the system stunk and it was a foul or it was rigged, as uh, the guy in the White House told us a few months ago. Are you comfortable with this and you feel it's just, this is fair and equitable for everybody? Um, generally, yes, I would say it is fair and equitable. I know that Vic Fidelli and the, uh, his leadership team, as well as a number of um, MPPs who remain neutral in this, have been working very hard to make sure that our membership list is, is completely accurate. And they've set up this process for voting so that it will be confidential, safe, secure, and will maintain its integrity once this is all over. That said, I know that a number of people have not received their voting information yet. Um, it's get, it's getting a little late, isn't it? It is. People have until 8 o'clock tonight to be registered, so of course the mail has to come today for that to happen. Um, we've been told that uh, Canada Post has assured us that, that people will receive them today. I hope that's true. But we have also asked the, um, the party through the committee that's responsible for this to extend the registration time from March 2nd, which it has been extended to tonight at 8 o'clock. 
They have complied with not just our request, but the request of the other candidates. We can't extend the um, final date of March 10th past that date because our constitution does not allow it. Just the the, the way they have to set up these votes and all of the time. Periods so that's that's that carved in stone. That, yeah, they can't do anything about that. Stone. It cannot change. And so what we are doing, as I'm sure the other candidates are doing, is working very hard to make sure that with our members who have received their their voting ID in the mail to help them with the registration and ultimately to help them with voting so that every member that wants to vote is going to be able to do so. We have thousands of people across the province with um, with computers that are going from one home to another to help people that don't have computers. Well, that's and helpful, we have Yes, we have a I, Listen, I, I, well. I got about a second left here, and I'm, I'm glad you're comfortable with the process. But just on, on a previous answer, Elizabeth, uh, who's listening to our conversation on CHML here, uh, just emailed and said, uh, for those parents that do want to opt out of the sex ed program, uh, do they need to justify that? In other words, do they have to point to a particular part of the curriculum that they're uh, having a problem with? Not according to me, no. If they don't want their children to participate, all they have to do is provide a note. We would have to notify parents when, when the sex ed program is being taught. If they want their child to not participate, just a simple note saying, my, I don't want my child to be there is, is good enough for me. Uh, an awful lot more to talk about, but I guess we'll have to wait until after Saturday to see just uh, what happens when the dust settles. Uh, as we've said to all the candidates, uh, Christine, thank you so much for the time, and uh, good luck on Saturday. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Bill. Christine Elliott, uh, candidate, of course, for the Ontario Progressive Conservative Leadership. Uh, Saturday afternoon, it will be going down, of course, and uh, the, the voting is happening right now. And as she mentioned, they, they've only got a few more hours to do that. Uh, and it's going to be rather interesting to see. There are some huge choices to be made uh, by members of the, that are going to be voting right there. Some ideological choices that, that need to be made about where they want to see not just this province go, but where they want to see this party goes. And Uh, it's fair to say they've made some bad choices with leadership and with policy in the past, and it's cost them elections. And uh, we'll see how it turns out on Saturday. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.